There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Tuesday edition of the podcast. We're certainly thankful for each of you listening, each of you that tune in each and every day, and those of you listening possibly for the first time, we certainly welcome you, and this is a doctrinal devotional, and we preach the Word of God and teach the doctrines of the Word of God. Uh, We don't go outside the bounds of the Word of God. It's not just opinions or thoughts or ideals, but no, we want to preach what God says and preach the whosoever will gospel, not a gospel that limits or a gospel that uh, inhibits others from coming to Christ. We also do not preach a Hollywood gospel. We don't preach an easy believism gospel. We preach the truth of the Word of God. And we expose the doctrines thereof, and how we do certainly thank the Lord for that. We only believe what the Bible says, and that's so foreign today. There's a lot of folks that contact us that they say, well, you know, I'm Brother McVeigh, I'm in a church, that they correct the Bible, or they say, well, the Bible says this, and the Bible says this, and the only thing I can recommend is either endure the storm, or get out. There's nothing else you can really do. Pray that God will give you wisdom. God will give you direction to believe the Word of God, to escape uh, the the fallacy that's often said today and stated today. But it's the fallacy that Jesus Christ Himself uh, gave the Word of God in flexibility, and how what foolishness that is. And yet there are those that uh, they're taught that they're taught that you can kind of translate yourself even though we know that no prophecies are any private interpretation. There are folks that choke at the Word of God when they hear the Word of God for the first time. Uh, they think it's foreign. They think it's strange. They even think it's peculiar. And so I want to look at those Pharisees of Matthew chapter 5. And he said it on this wise, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, that ye there is that singularness of plurality. That means he's speaking to all of them, but ye is an individual responsibility and requirement in the midst of those things. And even as Jesus Christ is preaching to them, he is telling them uh, what's going to be required of them. He's going to tell them that they themselves, uh, they have a righteousness, but yet our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and of the Pharisees. And we see the Word of God, and it deals with Pharisees, and it deals with the, the folly of Pharisees. And so I want to just deal with that a little bit and touch base on that now. But we see so many marks of Pharisees. And Jesus Christ in Matthew and chapter 16, one of the things that he speaks of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, uh, he calls them a wicked, perverse generation. But then he said this, He said he understood how they bade him them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So it's not in the eating of bread, but what he's warning them about is the the doctrine of Pharisees and Sadducees. And I have been around both groups of people. 
They still do exist today, not in the legal understanding, but in the explanation of Scripture of how they lived their life. And that's why Jesus told them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, because there's a day that they have corrupted so many, but yet they've never helped them. They've never lifted a finger to be a blessing to somebody else. They never will lift a finger to be a blessing to somebody else. And so I'm going to give you the marks of a Pharisee and give you marks also the scribes that he speaks. He calls them also hypocrites. But Matthew chapter 23 is where we're going to focus today. And he says in verse 2, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. What does that mean? They're judges of the law. And that's what they know is the law. They do know the law. They know the law inside and out. And they will use the law for their occasion. They'll use the law for their benefit. And it's one of the great dangers of being in a position of power. As you begin to look at things and realize you can get something from people, you can obtain something from people, all you have to do is just twist the scripture just a little bit, and you can get people to do what you want them to do. You can get them to respond to you personally. You can get them to give your money. And religious zealots over the years have learned that. And that's why those that suppose that gain is godliness, he tells us from such turn away, because there are men that will use that to find gain. They will use their power that they have a pulpit or a ministry or a position, and they will use that to try to obtain a financial gain. And what a, what a problem that is. What a great fallacy that is. What a problem we have in America with that, the prosperity preachers. And of course, it's spread overseas. It's down in the Caribbean uh, predominantly. It's in Africa very strongly, especially nations of like Nigeria and Kenya. And then it's also in Southeast Asia. They go to poverty-stricken people and make them poor with their lies and with their leaven. So Matthew 23 and verse 3 says, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. So they sit in Moses' seat, they're purveyors of the law, they give the law, they teach the law. He says, observe and do what they teach. But do not do after their works, for they say and do not. And so their works do not accompany their what they say they believe. That's why faith without works is dead. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So they laden people down with all the cares of religion and all the, the issues of religion. And by the way, that is the detail of clothing. Let me just say this about a lady's apparel. She is to be dressed in modest apparel. There, you have understanding now from the word of God. It is to be a lady's apparel. You have understanding of the word of God. What you have is a generation of Pharisees today that they take that further and they begin to dictate how far they can get ladies to follow them in their idea of what godly apparel and modest apparel is and ladylike apparel is. And they begin to dictate, can they wear a necklace? Can they wear makeup? Can they wear earrings? Can they comb their hair a certain way? And they'll take that broided and costly uh, jewels and gold and they'll twist that and make it something that's not. And, and it's not an establishment of your wealth. It's not a, a picture of the family's wealth today. I don't really think that's a problem. I don't know ladies personally in church they wear gold and diamonds and emeralds and rubies and sapphires in their hair to show everybody how much money their family has. I don't think that's a problem today. But what you do have is you have others that try to dictate. 
which side the part goes on. Can you part? Do you not part? How many braids can you have? How many twists in the braid? How many turns in the braid? Is it two inches below the knee, four inches below the knee, seven inches below the knee? Uh, do you have to wear bobby socks with black shoes with a strap? Do you have to wear, when you wear sandals, you're allowed to paint your toenails blue, flesh, white, red, green? The idea simply is this, modest apparel, not drawing attention to oneself, but also to cover oneself and to be a lady. And there are ladies that adorn themselves in ladylike apparel that differ one from another, and yet they can still be right with God. But the Pharisees can't tolerate things like that. They have to dictate all of those things. They have to dictate a man and how a man behaves and how a man acts and how a man is to speak. And, and one of the things that I've for years has troubled me is this idea that men try to control others' speech, especially when they use biblical words like perverse, breast, pisseth, dung. Those are biblical words. And I'm not saying them just to be foul or crude. They're Bible words. And they said, well, you can't say that. And I remember years ago when a man said to me, he said, you can't say that. And I said, well, I did say it, and I'll say it again. And I said it again. Because you don't dictate what a man says. And by the way, a man is going to be a man if he's a man. And nobody's going to dictate to him his speech unless God himself changes that man's speech. He's going to use words that you and I may not use. I'm not saying he should be profane and foul and vulgar. The Bible defines those things. Profanity is taken out which is holy and making it unholy. The Lord's name is holy. We don't use it in unholiness. The relationship between a husband and a wife is a holy thing. We don't use that in unholiness. We don't make that profane. And there's so many things that men today try to dictate what others do and what you can say and what you can't say. I got called out several years ago for using the word pervert. And I said, well, it's just a variance of perverse. And they said, well, you still ought not say that. I said, no, the Bible speaks of perverse. Therefore, it is a biblical variant of the word perverse. It's someone that acts perverse. They're a pervert. And again, the great offense, we must use biblical terms. They lay burdens on men, but he said this, they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. I've illustrated this for many years. If you dictate how a lady dresses, why don't you help her dress that way by buying her clothes? If you want to dictate what kind of shoes a lady has to wear, why don't you go buy her the shoes that she needs to wear? That's what Pharisees do. They make the rules, but they'll do nothing to help people. They'll do nothing to accomplish what those rules need to accomplish. It's the old idiom that I've come up with many years ago. Maybe others used it long before me, but I just know particularly with me, I've been using it for probably 15 years. It's the idea that, hey, don't smoke, we're in church. You know, don't cuss, we're in church. Hey, wear modest clothes, we're in church. As though church building is something different than your day-to-day life. He that hath the son hath life, and therefore if you have life in Christ, you ought not smoke anyway. And if you are smoking, you ought to try to quit smoking. And if you are cursing, you ought to try to quit cursing. Even if it is at home, it doesn't matter if it's a church, you ought not curse anywhere. And each one of these things that we mentioned is not a matter of putting burdens upon people, but to help them with those burdens, help them change. That's not I'm going to pound the pulpit, scream and rant and rave about cigarette smoking. I'm going to try to help somebody quit. I'm going to try to exhort them to quit because it's going to be a benefit to them. They're going to feel better. They're going to be healthier. Their lungs aren't going to hurt. Their teeth will look nicer. Their breath won't stink. Their car won't stink. Their children won't have secondhand smoke. And they'll save a ton of money if they quit smoking. There's a lot of benefits to smoking. But see, that's one of those outward things the Pharisees can control. But they themselves can't control the inward things. And that's the problem with the Pharisee as they can't help me with their outward burdens because they themselves can't control their inward problems. He said, for all, the, for all their works they do foresee to be seen of men. That's the problem. 
They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost room at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Now, that phylactery was that little pouch they'd wear, and they'd put scripture in it. The larger the pouch they had, the more scripture they had bound upon them, the more spiritual they would appear to men. And I've seen men that memorized great portions of scripture that probably died and went to hell. I've known men that memorized chapters of scripture. They probably died and went to hell. I've known men that have bound these things upon them, and yet they had no testimony, didn't have the witness of God. He said they enlarged the borders of their garments. Why? Because that's where they put those scriptures. When they put them upon their, those ribbons upon their garments. They've enlarged those. Oh, what a spiritual man he is. It's like in modern day uh, formal religion, a man wears a red robe instead of a gold robe. He's in a position of a cardinal, and therefore he is esteemed the most highly. And everybody knows he's a cardinal. He wears a little red cap and a red robe and has a ruby ring, and people bow and kiss the ring because he's a cardinal. He is esteemed so highly, and men just live for that. They spend their lives trying to obtain that, trying to get that. It's no different than the independent Baptist. A man goes, and he becomes a camp meeting preacher or a conference preacher or a revival preacher, or a, and he goes, and boy, he just begins to love those accolades, and he tries to show folks how spiritual he is and how much he loves God. And I remember personally staying with a man uh, that spoke of getting up early in the morning, spending time with God, and getting up early in the morning and, and spending that time with the Lord in prayer and supplications. And I'm not throwing off and I'm not criticizing, but listen, I stayed with him. And I got up early in the morning because I was about half under conviction by his preaching, and he spent the morning on Facebook. And that didn't change. I was over several nights, and I realized that not everybody's preaching and living what they're saying. They're preaching it, but they can't live it. Why? Because they're looking for this because they like the position. They like the uppermost rooms, the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. And they love all the accolades of religion, but they can't live it. And that's, again, with the parable of the Good Samaritan, that story of the Good Samaritan. What did he do? He wouldn't help that man, yet he was a Samaritan. The chief priest passed by. He wasn't going to help him. A religion walked by is what I've often stated. The Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes walked by. They weren't going to help that man. Why? Because they love position. They love power. They love wealth. They love the idea of what religion can provide for them. And they won't do anything without notice. They won't do anything without somebody uh, speaking of it. They can't do anything without somebody boasting of what they've done. And one of the great follies and dangers to preachers is when people do brag on them and do boast of them, they think it's something they've accomplished. And that's what a Pharisee does. He thinks that rabbi, rabbi greeting is for him. But Jesus Christ himself tells us in verse 8, but be not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. So he said, you're not going to call each other rabbi because you're all brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoso shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Therefore we don't exalt ourselves, we exalt Christ. And if Christ, by the way, does exalt us for a time or for a purpose, it's not to be seen of men. It's that for men might see him. If he does use a man in any way, it's that they might see Christ. 
That's the salt of the earth. That's that light that's set up on that candlestick, that city upon a hill. That's why, that they might see Christ. It's not for self-glory. It's not that we might be seen of men. And he said, therefore, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. What righteousness is that? Those clothing is modest. Their clothing has those rabans upon it. Their clothing has the enlarged phylacteries. Everything they say, they speak with words of wisdom, and yet they walk around in religious zealotry, and they're zealous of accolades, and zealous of compliments, and zealous of notice, and zealous of all of those things, yet void of the Word of God. And yes, so many are in that position, but have I ever helped anybody preaching this? Probably not, because they're so steeped in their religion, so steeped in their religious practice, they cannot see they've created their own righteousness. Part two of this is going to be tomorrow. We'll still be in Matthew chapter 5. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church. 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Singing the glorious song of the redeemed.